0: Lead. Mick McDiibven is squeezing through on naturalism's amanations there with heroicity and here comes the and across the and across down the outside is motoring home naturalism the leader the and across itch by inches wearing him down naturalism still in front he ran out near the line but naturalism went the this wins podcast is brought to you by Basing New Calvary South Wales and... sky racing and Pride's easy feed. Do any of your horses struggle to finish their feeds during a racing preparation? Have you been unhappy with the way they look on race day? Do what many other trainers do with those finicky horses and introduce them to Pride's easy performance. By stimulating their appetites with Pride's highly palatable set recipe feed, you might find they're not leaving a flake in their feed bins. Correct nutrition helps racehorses to deal with the stresses of racing and training It helps them to get that elusive win when they're in the right race and most importantly, helps them to bounce back after the event. Pride's Easy Performance provides the ultimate muscle fuel to help horses get to the line while helping them to maintain inner health. Pride's Easy Performance, the complete nutritional feed for equine performance athletes. In planning a podcast for Melbourne Cup week, it made good sense to introduce a guest who had a strong personal connection to the great race, a person whose life was changed by the experience, a person who wears a Melbourne Cup win as a badge of honour. One such person is Larry Olson who rode Kenzai to victory in 1987 for his great friend, Les Bridge. The win capped a remarkable comeback for Larry, who in the early 80s turned his back on racing when the rigours of the sweatbox wore him down. He went dairy farming for three years, during which time his weight skyrocketed to 80 kilos. How Larry Olson, rode a Melbourne Cup winner at 51.5 remains one of racing's greatest ever comeback stories. The Melbourne Cup win wasn't Larry's only success at the top level. There were 23 other group ones among his career tally of 1,000 wins. He quit the saddle in 1998... And quickly landed a role in the racing media as a form analyst and mounting yard presenter for Sky Channel, a position he filled with distinction right up to his retirement in 2014. Larry is now 74, he lives in Brisbane and he spends most of his time gracing the golf course and managing the fortunes of a pretty handy race mare he part owns by the name of Say Hire. In a week when many people are thinking about the Melbourne Cup, let's talk to a bloke who's been there and done that. eyes jockey, Larry Olsen. It's a long time ago, mate—35 years to be exact. How did it change your life?
1: Well, I think you just described it all in uh, one long sentence, there, John. Uh, well, you know, I was—you uh, know—I was always played with weight problems all through my life and uh, as you said i I'd give it away I was uh, I'd had enough of it not at the dairy farm but then of course the weights were raised I saw where they raised the weights in various uh, parts of the country and that and I thought well I'd try the comeback but uh, you know as you say the weight oh, was as big as a house and uh, you know to get back into it but anyway we had that uh, the shop at uh, Indrapilli and I used to walk in and run home, that type of thing. And of course, I'd never, I never dreamt that i what, what would, uh, what would happen to me, or, or what my future would be. It was just basically getting back to riding, and getting down the Gold Coast and uh, down that way. I was, I was here in Brisbane, yeah, and just go from there. But I, I didn't realise, John. The more I pushed myself, the fitter I got, the more keener I became. Mm. I, I, I probably was never as sharp. Well, I can certainly say I was never as sharp and I was on a horse's back as the fitness regime put me in, you know. And uh, when the kilos come off, the success come, I started riding winners uh, at the Gold Coast and the first winner was a horse called Dine in Style. It certainly helped me Dine in Style a little bit later. But um, anyway, I, uh, I started then riding back in town in Brisbane Mm. And uh, then I picked up the ride on Princess Gracious in the in the uh, Queensland Derby. I won that mm. Wayne and Wayne Wilson did an interview with me
2: Yeah
1: on a sort of like a podcast like you're doing and uh mm. Lesbridge heard it and uh he rung me up and he said, Mate, he said, I've seen me you made the comeback. He said uh, Gavin Duffy was riding for me but he's not now He said, But you like to uh come and ride for me in Sydney, he said he used the words like uh, you can run off me, mate, and just see what happens, you know, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> as typical South Sydney talk, that is. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, he came up to Brisbane with Ken's Eye, Les, yeah. and I didn't ride him, Craig Carmody rode him in the Tats Cup. He won, I mm. think he won that. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I rode him in a race at Doom and then we went to uh, – uh, to Grafton, yeah, I won you, the Grafton Cup on him.
0: Yeah, you ran fourth and, in, in the Doomben race. Then he went down to Grafton, right. as you said, he won there, Larry, but not by a big margin, did he?
1: No, no, he had a bit of weight to carry. I remember the saddle underneath me was quite large, but bear in mind, I was uh, I was pretty light at this stage. And, As I say, I kept up the exercise regime and so much so that I'd I'd probably do 15, 20k a day around Mount Cook and places like that. Yeah, Yeah, fit as a buck rabbit, uh, John. But (laughs) as I say, uh, you know, the fitter I got and the more focused I become and yeah. And it just drove me on. and But never did I dream that uh, even with Kenzai and going back to Sydney with Les, no. you know, we won the Grafton Cup, as you say, and yeah. that was one of five for me. For well, that that's
0: my next question. I haven't no. researched the statistics about the Grafton Cup riding record, but, Larry, mm. that's got to be a record. Surely nobody's ridden more than five Grafton Cup winners.
1: No, no, but I think Larry Cassidy's there somewhere. I think he's had a bit of a... Mm. A time up there, but I, I, I rode, uh, I think I rode in about six cups, mm. and I won five of them, and the other one started favourite and got beaten on a heavy track. But
2: mm.
1: Oh, like, I, I can remember going back to Grafton when I was uh, before, like, I was still going to school, I think I was around thirteen, thirteen 13 yeah. or 14 when we, uh, uh, we used to take horses down to Grafton with Mel Barnes, who was my boss. Oh, Larry, the piece, you know?
0: I first met you at, at a Grafton Cup meeting, I was standing in the enclosure, I'll never forget it, learning the colours. I was watching the colours as the jockeys came out of the room and Mel Barnes introduced me uh, to uh, a good-looking young fellow wearing uh, tartan colours or maybe it was lilac with a tartan sash and a tartan cap. Does that ring a bell?
1: <laughs> Yes, were they were they were colors I that had the red white and uh, uh, red and green white Maltese cross but these yeah. other colors that we had were uh uh a tartan the gray yes I think the horse is like the saint in a couple of others I used to yeah. ride in that but by god there's nothing wrong with your memory yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm going back so there, Larry that must 60. have been 67
0: 68 60. Hey mate! Before we leave the Grafton Cup, apart from Kenzai, because I know some of our listeners will be saying, "What were the others?" There was Wave King,
1: Wave King. He was a very good horse. Him, Mm -hmm. Wave King, Shizora. She was a good mare. New Zealand mare again. Yeah. Uh, I rode Cross Swords for Johnny Hawks. and he won the Mini Valley Cup. And uh, that after there's another story
2: there.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, What else did I ride? Did
0: you ride Jardel?
1: Jardell, Jardell, Jardell. For, yeah, yeah yeah, she was a real good mate too. Mm. Um, that was, I think that's it, isn't it, Kenzai? That's that's it. That's Jardell. five yeah, yeah.
0: Grafton mm. Cups, amazing. Hey, let's get back onto the Melbourne Cup trail. Kenzai yep. had a little freshen uh, after Grafton. He then ran second at Rose Hill, then he won a race at Randwick and Les then took Kenzai and the Brotherhood to the Newcastle Cup now, you tell me you got skittled in that Newcastle Cup before running second to your stable mate.
1: Yes, I did, John. In fact, he was going to be right in it. And, uh, oh, I think there was a girl, I think her name was Marie Linden. Oh, dear she little was out Marie. In New yeah. Zealand, right. And, uh, mm. yeah, she caused a bit of a stir at the top of the straight and just put me right out of business. And uh, But the Brotherhood went on and on it. And Kenzai, of course, he got beaten. But,. Uh, he he then ran uh, in a welter. I, he must have carried about 10 stone or something. It was a huge weight. Mm. We didn't give him much chance at all and just sort of it was a lead up, you know. And, uh, but he won that and then he ran in the, uh, the Metrop. Mm. And uh, he drew outside alongside Peter Cook on Belciano and when we were in the barrier, Peter Cook said to me, what are you going to do? <clears throat> and I said, I'll let you know about 100 yards down the track. <laughs> uh, he, he went forward, but I was always going to go back because Ken's eye, he was a, he, he was a tough little fellow, you know. He, he could tug a bit, and if he saw daylight, um, you know, that was uh, that was pretty bloody, you know, mm. the end of him. But uh, my idea was to ride him back, well, I had to, and then to give him a smother. So much so that um, when we come into the straight, I'd given him too much start. I pulled him out and I switched out Balciano on the speed mm. and he went on with the race and I run into a very nice second. Mm. And I come in and I said to Les, I said, Les, I said, I've slaughtered this bloke. I said, if I to put him into the race, he probably wins it. Mm. He didn't care. He didn't say well. He said, uh, mate, will he run two miles? I said, yeah. He said, well, we're going down to the Melbourne Cup.
0: Oh, is that right? Yep. Yeah, but you stressed, you stressed to run two miles, he had to be ridden the same way.
1: That's right. That's right. If I could ride him the same way, yes, I'd get him to get the two-mile. and hmm. That's exactly what actually happened on, on Cup Day. Hmm. I got the right barrier and uh, everything fell into place. You know? oh,
0: it was beautiful. Before that, though, hmm. Les thought hmm. he needed a pipe opener and he ran him in the McKinnon Stakes. Now, you were serving a very short suspension, and the great Pat Highland rode Kenzie in that McKinnon stakes. He ran about seventh. Were you there on the day?
1: no I wasn't uh, mm. wasn't there uh, John no um I was watching of course um, yeah. I was suspended, and I didn't get down to uh um, Melbourne till just before it but uh mm. Yeah, Pat. Pat looked after me. <laughs> he looked after me. He, uh, he offered to come to me after the race. He said, "You owe me one." I said, "You already won the cup. You know, you're doing me a favour. <laughs> so uh, great bloke, Paddy Highland, and oh. uh, he and Les were great mates. And and of course, the the 2000 of the uh, McKinnon Stakes was too short for him, but he came in with a very favourable report after the race, so much so oh. that. Uh, you know, Kenzo was right on track. I remember riding him in a gallop mm. uh, before the Cup at uh, Flemington. There and uh, the flags were out of fairway, and I was I was a little bit concerned that he mightn't, uh, you know, the other way of going round. Mm. And he came home. I think Les said he he was he was to go something like two thousand evens and just let him pick up the last three. You know, mm-hmm. so like, get to the, and I think he broke thirty six that last three. Mm. But when he came to the bottom of the straight and the hats were out and he had to turn left, you know, not right mm. like that, sorry, not left, he had to Yeah, yeah left, gonna, a, anti-clockwise. Yeah, left, left, left yeah. yeah. That's right. I'll get myself all anyway, yeah. he, he Anyway, I thought he's going too damn fast to take this corner because the hats were out of it and a bit of a sharp turn. Mm. But, mate, he dropped on that left leg like you wouldn't believe and zipped around. Did he? It. And I remember mm. saying to Les, I said, he's got no problem with this way of going, you know. Mm. So he was he was like me. He was, uh, he was fit and he was determined and I was just the same on his back.
0: Well, in the cup, you capitalised on barrier three. You enjoyed a soft run on the fence. Now, take me from the half mile. I think you were following Darren Biedman, weren't you?
1: Well, actually, no. I was following, to be truthful, John, back in that race, I was following Empire Rose. She won the cup the following year. Yeah. And uh, I got a lovely run behind. She's a huge mare, big backside, and I just camped Mm. on her throughout the race. And uh, Rosedale was the horse that runs second. He was outside Mm. of her. But as we got up past the 1200, they sort of uh, moved towards getting into the race, and then the half mile they, they pulled out and got into it, but I couldn't go at that stage because I thought if he does get out, he'll pull too hard, he'll just use himself up. Yeah. So I decided to, uh, to stay on the fence, <clears throat> and then as we came to the corner, there was a big line of horses in front of me, and, of course, Empire Rose and Rosedale, they had gone out and put themselves in position. Mm. and the horse in front of me on the fence was uh, was Darren Be- Beeping on a horse called Scarvilla. Scarvilla, yeah. And, yeah, and uh, I, I think he had uh, – was there a brown sash there somewhere, John? You would know those colours?
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I think, think so. Had w- sash, white, and he, white jacket with, with – That's it, yeah, white
1: yeah. – sort of like you say. But anyway, he, his horse – was in front of me, and uh, then when we straight, I thought I'd made the biggest blue you've ever seen. I thought, oh God, look at this, you know. <laughs> and next thing, he started to move, mm. and it was just like the, uh, uh, you know, the the o- early open gate sesame. Open, yeah. <laughs> oh, gee, you sort of seemed peeling mm. off the fence. Was beautiful, and he left me the best run you've seen to get through there. And, oh, yeah. and it's a funny thing. We we're right up the top of the straight, but I could still hear the crowd because it's. Such an enormous day there, and Mm. uh, anyway, I heard the crowd, and I and I and I thought, well, that's probably you know because I could see Empire Rose and Rosedale out wide, and they'd gone on, and Mm. I'm coming through, and I I, I was he was sort of scrambling to make ground, you know, like as far as overdoing it a bit, yeah. But I pull the whip, and I give him a hit with the whip, and all of a sudden he just found a half length, like he he Mm. sort of lunged under me, and I. And he he, he kept – every time I hit him with a whip, I probably hit him four or five times Mm. in that last furlong, if that, you know. Mm. But every time he just kept giving me that neck, the neck, and I grabbed him. And I just got in front and I was – a neck in front when we hit the line, neck half-length in front when I hit Mm. the line, but he's had enough. Mm. Larry, that
0: magical moment, two strides past the post. It must be a moment frozen in time for the rest of your life.
1: Well, John, I'll tell you what. Um, I just went blank after the cup, after we went past the post, and it sort of it sort of dawns on you that mm. you that you've won this Melbourne Cup, and as I pulled up, oh, I just, oh, God, I, the emotion. You just you could hardly breathe, you know. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I turned into the outside fence and. Turned around to come back. Well, that's that's just the moment you you uh, you dream of that type of thing, you know. Yeah. And then when you come back, the applause and. Then when you're walking, you know, the uh, clerk of the course, I think you've got name in a minute. Anyway, they grab you and then take you up through the, the flowered walkway, you know, and mm. and as I'm walking back in, I, you take your hat off and uh, off your hat and that type of thing. And mm. there was a lady the other side of the fence and and she, and she said she threw a rose that she, she here, love, and I grabbed the rose and landed between my uh, – my fingers And and I caught it You couldn't believe I could catch the rose no, like million, it, million to so. one <laughs> Million to one But I lost my hat In doing it and, uh, Oh dear But oh That coming back through uh, You know Coming back off the track Through that You know That winding path With the rose bushes And that That's that's yeah. just Heaven
0: Yeah It'll stay with you Larry For the rest of your life mm. You know yeah. As honest as he was Ken's eye Never won another race We see it happen So often he was one of many horses to give his all on one special day and never quite find that form again. He ran in the cup, I think, the following year, didn't he, with a lot more weight.
1: A lot more weight, yeah. They give him another five kilos or something, mm-hmm. John, but uh, no, <clears throat> he ran something like about midfield or a bit worse, but he, no, he was never the same horse again. And, uh, he, you know, he, he a tough little horse like he did and... Uh, I I don't know why he didn't come back and I think he went on to Neville McBurney, I think, Mm. after that. He he had the horse, but uh, no, he was never the same, Ken's eye, but uh, that was his moment along with mine.
0: Now, Larry, I've got to change the mood for a moment because it's part of the story. That Melbourne Cup day turned out to be bittersweet. The greatest day of your life was turned upside down when the stewards inquired into your ride on a horse called Sound Horizon in a Group 1 mile race. You'd won the Epsom on this horse, Sound Horizon. You knew him well. You you felt you had a very plausible excuse for his defeat when you walked into the stewards' room, but they didn't want to know about it.
1: No, they didn't, John. Uh, I had three rides that day, on, uh, the day I won the Cup, I won the Cup on Kenzai. I uh, run, rode another horse called In the Navy in the Walter. That was the last race. I won that. And then the other horse I rode was uh, was Sound Rise. As you've pointed out, I'd only ridden him once before, and that was in the Epsom, which I won.
2: Mm. He came
1: from a mile back. I got one run. He won the race. But anyway, this particular day at, uh, at Flemington, and uh, I'm back behind. Gerald Ryan was riding in the race. Now we're going back a bit now. Mm. And what happened, he broke his iron or his leather or whatever and he was riding on one leg and I was behind him and he was on, he was off. I thought, God, this bloke's going to fall off. If he falls off, I'll I'll go straight over him. Mm. But anyway, as we come to the corner, like I'm back and so is he, and I thought, well, if he goes out, I'll go in to get away from him in Mm. case he does fall, you know. It was very precarious, you know. And uh, I wouldn't like to have been in uh, his shoes at that time. But anyway, what happened when I went back inside, a great big split came, and, of course, I've run up, but then I've run in a room and I couldn't. I just had a line of horses in front of me and that was it, you know. Yeah, yeah. But there was nothing I could do about it. But I was forced into that with Gerald Ryan's mouth. But when I come in after the race, they pulled me into the room about it, you know. Mm. and uh, the, the the line of questioning was just like uh, as though I'd give him a run, you know, and I thought mm. that's the furthest thing from my mind, you know. I said, I said oh, what were your instructions? I said, I was told to ride him like I rode him in the Epsom, mm. nice and quiet and just one run, but I was told him, I said that uh, Gerald Ryan's horse and such and such, mm. they didn't want to know about Gerald Ryan and uh, they didn't want to know anything at all, but anyway, that was before the Cup, and then the horses were out parading before they let me out to go and get on Ken's Eye. And not long after the celebrations or after the Melbourne Cup was over, the press and everything, they had me back in the room again. And they kept me there until, and this line of questioning was the same all the way through. Ask me a question, then he'd look out the window and start smiling. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just quite... Yeah, I, I just thought, oh, they're trying to set me up, mm-hmm. these blokes, you know. But anyway, when I come out, uh, it was on dusk and everybody had left the course and I looked oh. up the straight and I, I thought to myself, did I win that race, you know, like as far as mm-hmm. winning the Cup is concerned. But anyway, that uh, that inquiry was, uh, was you know, adjourned until a later date and it was carried over into the offices of the VRC on the Friday. At which time, that's when they continued it on, and they decided to give me give me twelve months. But what happened we, Paul Sutherland and I? He was the trainer.
2: Mm.
1: We were sitting, and and bear in mind, in those days, John, the press weren't allowed into the room. Mm. Bit different now, you know, because they could say and do anything they want. In those days, you know, but uh, with with press, there at least they can report on. Uh, the uh, the outcome or whatever, but the, the the questioning was we were sitting there together, Paul Sutherland and I, mm. and as the charges were read out, we, and, and anyway Sutherland was like said we're going to charge you, and Sutherland got out of his chair, down on his knees, and he clasped his hands. It's true story, mm. and he said, sir, if you disqualify, if you disqualify me, I'll be destroyed. I bought so much, so many million dollars worth of horses and his stables. Mm. He had millions, you know, mm. in what he had set out. He said, "If you you disqualified me, I'll be destroyed." So they got he got up and came back, sat back in the chair alongside me, and then they chased us out the room. Anyway, we're out for probably twenty minutes, half an hour, whatever it was, and they brought us back in again, mm. and they sat us down in the same chair, and he said to Sutherland, he said, uh, Mr Sutherland, owing to further evidence put forward by you, we've decided to drop the charges against you, but Olson, yours sticks. Oh, yeah. That is I cop. Yeah, so they let Paul Sutherland off. See, he was supposed to be party to it or something like this. So mm-hmm. I don't know where they got all this from, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I came out of the, the room, the press said to me, what, what happened? I said, well, they got it half right. They mm. let uh, Paul off, but they gave me twelve months. But then I appealed the decision, and yeah. uh, of course, it, it, you know, it took some time, but it took all the gloss off I beat him on appeal, which we had to. Yeah, and uh, I had a very good counsel as well. He was, he was. Excellent in that regard, but uh, mm. you know it was quite amazing that something as serious as this on a day like that, that they'd never bothered to call Gerald Ryan in and ask him mm. what transpired in that race, yeah. and that was uh, that that really dictated to me what I what I what I did in the race. I I probably wouldn't have gone back inside, but I had no other option. Mm. But they didn't want to know that.
0: No. Well, mate, it all had a happy ending, thank goodness. And Now, mate, you were apprenticed originally to the man we mentioned earlier, Mal Barnes, at Nudgee Beach in Brisbane. Strangely yeah. enough, you had your first race ride in Sydney in 1963 because Mal brought a small team down here. You were stabled at Canterbury and one of the yeah. local trainers, dear old Bob Mead, put you on a horse one day in a nine-and-a-half furlong race.
1: Yes, he did, John. I was 15, just turned 15, and uh, I'd had barrier trials. I had barrier trials uh, in Brisbane, and uh, bear in mind I was an apprentice when I was 14, so mm-hmm. I, got, uh, I got my licence when I was 15. But uh, I'd had the barrier trials, but when I came to Sydney, I had another one at with. Mm. And they give me an A licence straight off after I had the uh, A licence, uh, mm. the uh, the barrier trial. Mm. Anyway, uh, Bob me, was one man that was training at Canterbury because we were based there at that time. Jack Tenham used to be based there. Yes, there, he there. did, yeah. Yeah, a big stable there. But um, anyway, a horse called Juderius, in the mm. nine furlongs and so many yards, 63, I don't mm. know, mm. so many yards at Canterbury up the top of the straight. And that's before they realigned that. Turn out the straight. Remember, yeah. Moore wouldn't ride there for oh, some no. time. Oh
0: no, no, it wasn't good, yeah,
1: Larry. Yeah, yeah, But anyway, that was that. It was my first ride in a race.
2: Mm.
1: And uh, anyway, uh, I, uh, my boss said to me, he said, "When you're in a race, you know," he said, "Don't, don't pull the whip. He said, just ride it out, hands and heels, and such so, and so mm. Anyway, uh, I, I got a nice run through the race, and I run fourth. Mm. But coming into the straight, I pulled the whip and. Uh, I, I, and I and give him a hit with the whip and then I remember what my boss said put uh, no Darby. Darby told Darby me. McCarthy, yeah. Darby, Darby Darby he said, Don't don't just ride at hands and heels and anyway my boss said to me, he said, Where'd you learn to pull a whip like that? He said, Why do you keep yeah. using I said, No, Darby told me not to, you know. Mm-hmm. But Darby was apprenticed in the same stable at the same time and uh, yeah. I learned a lot from Darby. Great bloke, oh, great writer. Oh my god he was, yeah. Marvellous man, yeah.
0: You had to go back to Queensland to ride your first winner and that happened at Gatton and you quickly got going and uh, you were making a very good fist of it in your native state and your native city. Now, I'm going to fast forward here, Larry, to the first really good horse you rode. 1972 and a trainer called Sid Brown came into your life with a flashy chestnut horse called Triton. I think you rode him for the first time, didn't you, in the Delaney quality at Doomban. He ran third. His next run was in the Stratbroke, but you didn't expect to get back on him, did you?
1: No. Well, John, what actually happened, uh, uh, I I, I was going through a bit of an ordinary time again. I was actually on the basis of giving it away, Mm. and I picked up the ride on a horse, and I I won on it, Prince Malay. Yeah. And the bloke gave me a $1,000, you know, and I thought that was a fair whack in those days. <laughs> oh, still. you're going to say that Good bloke, Jimmy Byrne. Larry, yeah, Jimmy that's Byrne. 50 years ago. Yeah, I know. Yeah, give me it. It was a good mate. He said if you can win on it, he said there'll be a good present there. And it was. And anyway, I thought, well, this will keep me going until the carnival. And you never know, I might be able to fluke something through the carnival. I was but I'm nearly going to give it away at that time too. Mm-hmm. So there's a few times. But anyway... Uh, what actually happened, I was over at riding work and Sid Brown had brought Triton up, but I, I didn't really know a lot about Sid or mm. the horse in that time. And and uh, I know uh, Peter Cook was to ride him, but he got suspended and then he asked Roy Higgins mm. and Roy Higgins made the decision to stick with one of Cummings's. Yeah. So Tommy Brasel was one of the instigators of it. He was there. The
2: Journalist, and, uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah, Tom. Oh great blow we've great. we been mates for years. Mm. We were. Anyway, uh Tommy suggested to uh, to Sid about me and mm. I was riding it so that he and Keith now <clears throat> jumped in the car with Sid and come over to Duman to get me to see if I would uh, ride Triton. because yeah. I could get on him quick enough, you know. <clears throat> but what transpired from there was uh, winning the strap rope yeah. and then I run second in the ten thousand, unlucky in that. Mm-hmm. and uh, then I followed him to Sydney, which uh, which Sid wanted me to do, of course. I followed him to Sydney to ride him yeah. in the Epsom, yeah. and in that Epsom, I beat Gunsend, and one of the, oh, talk about a time. We, we got together at the top of the straight, yeah. and it was head and head all the way down the straight. Well, I can still see it, Yeah. Yeah, I can still feel it.
0: Mm. Mm. You got two and a half kilos off guns in that day, and it just made the difference.
1: Yes, I I I, I jumped out the road. Triton used to always be a bit scratching his action, and he was he was back in the field. And then all of a sudden, he changed ride, and he started to, you know, you could feel him just surge underneath me. And he started to make his way into the field. Well, Mm. as we come up to the half mile, I'm starting to split horses back. Mm. inside, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, Ronnie Quit was inside of me, give me a mouthful too Ron, but uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you're still carving up today, but anyway, there was one run, I got it, yeah. anyway, I was a bit hungrier than him, anyway, and Kevin Langby's going around the outside on guns in well, I'm fighting, I'm pushing my way through, and of course, as we come into the straight, and up to the rise, we have got together, Yeah, and the two of us, Settled down for a head-and-head go all the way to the line and uh, yeah. stride past the post he had me, but right on the line I, I won by a head. Yeah.
0: Ken Howard yeah. used to call that a titanic tussle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah
1: That were the days.
0: Yeah. Now, Larry, you mentioned Gunsint. You won six races on the gun to Windy Grey when he was trained by Bill Wheelow. One of those six happened to be in Sydney. It was the Rawson Stakes. What did yeah. you think of Sin back then? Did you predict the future that would unfold?
1: Gee, good horse, mm. good horse, and I tell you what, I beat beaten that day. I'm pretty certain it was was great exploits. Mm. G. G. Moore, yeah, and uh, by G, I tell you what, what a great rider. But um, always knew he was a good horse, John. I rode him uh, very early in the piece. Johnny Edmonds used to ride him up here, and Bill Willow used to him mm-hmm. at Doombin and uh anyway I uh, uh Johnny lost the ride uh, he'd been in Sydney and then he came back and Bill got me to ride him well I I won uh, I won six races on him and of course the Rawson Stakes, that was one of them as well but uh then I uh you know th- there was a, a problem came about with the horse mm-hmm. and he bled they said he bled and mm-hmm. Bill um uh, you know, this 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 never really happened. But Bill went to their QTC stewards and said the horse after he gallop. I think he knew he was going to lose him to Tommy Smith. Oh, yeah. So he went to the stewards and he told the stewards that the horse bled after he galloped. And anyway, uh, they uh, had to, in those days you have to line up in front of the stewards again and gallop him. And uh, anyway, I galloped him this morning and I said to Bill, Bill, come and met me up the gap. I said, Bill, he's not a bleeder, this bloke. He said, I know, son, I know. He said, it's a long story. He said, I'll tell you one day. I'll tell you one day, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah. So
1: that's what actually, what, what, what the problem was. Bill was going to lose the horse to Tommy Smith, mm. and uh, that's what sort of came about. And, of course, when he went to Tommy Smith, I rode him in his first race down there, but I was mm. never, ever going to be one of Tommy Smith's riders. Kevin Langby was his main rider. Mm. in those days, and I lost the ride on him. And that was in the Epsom the Mm. previous year that I beat him on Triton the following year. Yeah, Mm.
0: exactly. Larry, going to pause for a moment to clear a commitment on the podcast. We'll come back with you after this. Well, the big ones are over for another year, but the Sydney Spring Carnival is far from finished. The action continues at Rosehill Gardens on Saturday, November the 5th, when another new race, the Five Diamonds, will be run. A race for five year olds worth $2 million. Feature race on the card will be the English Rural Property Golden Gift for the two year olds over 1100 metres. This race was inaugurated as recently as 2019 and won by the Snowden train Dame Gazelle, ridden by Andrew Atkins. In 2020, it was another filly, Sneaky Five, from the Mar and Eustace stable, ridden by Regan Bayliss. Last year, the long striding Sir Jarden won the Golden Gift for Clary Connors and Jason Collett. It's great to see Racing New South Wales and the Australian Turf Club honour a wonderful race mare with the running of the Group 2 Hot Danish Stakes. The Lesbridge-trained Hot Danish won 16 races, including two Group 1s, before succumbing to a massive leg infection in 2016. Lesbridge rated her alongside his Everest winner, Classic Legend. The regular highway and midway races return on the day to round off a bumper program. Saturday, November the 5th, as the Spring Carnival rolls on. And my special guest is Larry Olsen, who joined an elite group of jockeys in the autumn of 1988 when he completed the Melbourne Cup Golden Slipper Double in the same season. You won the slipper on Star Watch, Larry, for TJ Smith, a trainer you rarely rode for. How did you get on Star Watch
1: well, basically, through my uh, connections with Les again, because Les trained for a fellow called Brian Ewell. Mm. Brian Ewell was the principal of Tulloch Lodge, and God, they had Humpty Eight horses with Tommy Smith. Mm. Now, uh, what happened? Mick Dippman was riding uh, Starwatch, mm. and uh, he, uh, he 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 got uh, he got suspended. Mick. Yeah. He got suspended. That's right. Mm. And uh, anyway. Um, I think Les put a bit of pressure on, on Brian for me to ride the horse. Well, I suppose I had the, the cup under my belt made a bit of difference, but, yeah. uh, then anyway, I've got the ride on him in the slipper and, uh, what a beautiful cult he was too. And, uh, I'd never, never got on him, uh, after that. It was just, no. uh, one go. That was just the one day. Yes. And of course it was a very heavy track. Mm. And I drew out wide, but a beautiful colt he was. He was a lovely horse by Bletching Lee and uh, mm. you could feel when you run your hand down his neck, he was just, uh, silky smooth. Was he? But, um, uh, yeah. But anyway, that day I was trapped about three wide throughout, but I wasn't concerned because it was a very heavy track, and... Smith had two in the race, actually, both for Tulloch Lodge. It was a mare called Comely Girl. Yeah. And Jimmy Cassidy was riding it. And, of course, mm. as we come up past the half mile onto the three, I'm, I'm three wide, but I don't want to be three and a half wide. <laughs> so I'm keeping him a little bit, you know, he's you know, got to stay in your place sort of thing.
2: Yeah.
1: And I'm, hear, I'm hearing a voice inside of me, back inside of me, you know, back running about. So I'm running about fifth, fourth, fifth, fifth behind him. Yeah. And uh, I heard this back in horse. Lazar, 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 <laughs> obviously getting a bit tight, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I looked in and it was Jimmy, Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy Cassidy. And I thought, good, I've got you there, mate. Mm. You won't move now, you know. I, I, well, if he hadn't called, I probably wouldn't have seen him because of the mud coming back. that. Anyway, mm. I thought, well, what I'll do, I'll wait until we straighten. I'll stay, I'll sit and I'll hold him in because he was my danger. He was the one to beat, he was the favourite. Mm. And uh, it was well into the straight where I uh, I let Star Watch go and he just jumped out the ground. He sprinted quick. By that time, Camley uh, Girl got out and uh, uh, but it was too late. I I won the slipper uh, yeah. already done, but it was quite an achievement. But um, in those days, John, that that uh, slipper was the first million dollars to the winner, yes. and I can still remember Tommy Smith. Coming into the jockey's room at the door, there's so, so a few weeks later after the race, mm. and he's got a check for me.
2: Yeah,
1: he has got a check for me for fifty thousand. Good heavens! And yeah, that was a million dollar seat. And Smith in those days used to take out five uh, percent for the jockeys as yeah. well. You know, see, the 5% was taken out by the club, but Smith used to do that. He looked after his jockeys mm. like that. And he used to, like, the owners got built for it, of course. Mm. But that was lovely, yes. Win- winning the race and compliments to Mickey, too. You know, he, uh, he was suspended and, uh, mm. and uh, went to a good cause. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: Star yeah. Watch got only a handful of crops at the stud before his premature death and that was a tragedy because he got a lot of winners in three crops he would have made a super sire
1: beautiful cult to ride john you know mm. when you get on a horse and you can feel the quality beautiful moving horse and he had that acceleration he he just didn't like he didn't like if he thought you were going to hit him with a whip he'd veer away from it you know mm. and he just, uh, the more you could cuddle him, the better he could go. But mm. that day he jumped out the ground with me when I exploded and I uh, I uh, asked him for an effort and it put the mm. issue beyond doubt. But, yes, he was by Bletchley, like the Bletchley horses were winning everything. They were great size horses mm. at stud as well and uh, that was no surprise. But he,
2: mm.
1: shame he didn't, uh, didn't uh, stay around yeah. to get more crops, you know.
0: You were always regarded as a kind rider and you were certainly the type of jockey that suited Star Watch and it's lovely to think you won a golden slipper on him. Now, Larry, by the spring of 1981, you were battling to stay interested. Your weight was unstable, you couldn't get a decent ride and suddenly you were approached to ride a promising cult by the stallion you just mentioned, Bletchingly. He'd won both of his two-year-old starts when trained by Neville Begg. He was then taken over by Bart Cummings. His name was Bess Weston. He came along at the right time for you.
1: Yeah, John, I've had some stop-start times in racing. This was one of them. And, of course, he was a great horse, Bess Weston. And what happened one day was uh, riding work at Rammick. I was riding a bit for Bart at that time. Mm. And uh, anyway... Neville Begg come to me and he said, mate, he said, I've got a few horses trying out at Warwick Farm. Will you come out and ride them for me? Ronnie was away. Mm. And I said, yeah, yeah, no problem. Neville's a great bloke to ride for, a lovely man. And mm. I had a little bit of luck, but, of course, he had his own riders with, uh, uh, you know, Ronnie Quinton and... Uh, Kevin Moses. Kevin Moses. Yeah. Not Kevin Moses and that, you know. So, anyway, I went out and I rode him in this barrier trial at Warwick Farm. And, God, I couldn't believe it. I thought, God, nice all this. And I come in and I said to Nev, he won the trial. I said to Nev, I said, you know, mate, he had a heap of babies too, Nev. I said, you got nothing will get me this bloke. Mm. I said, this is good. This is good. Did you? So, anyway, yeah. So, anyway, I come back and uh, Ronnie come back from his his holiday or wherever it was. Anyway, he got on him and he won his first two stars. He he won quite well. Mm. But he was coming off the track one morning. And Ronnie was on him, and I'm standing there with Bart. I said, see that horse over there, Bart, coming off the track, coming mm. off at the mile there? And he he said, yeah. He said, what is it? I said, it's a horse called Best Western. Mm. I said, he'll win the slipper. He can win the slipper. Mm. Oh, you think so? I said, yeah. He said, how do you know? And I told him the story. Mm. Anyway, I get home, and... Uh, I suppose it wouldn't be much, you know. A few days later or whatever, mm. you get a call from Jerry Harvey. He said, oh, Larry, I said I just bought that Auspass Western, mm. you know. And I said, uh, <laughs> Jesus, hey know. mate, that's he a pretty said, good. I...
0: That's a pretty good impression. Do that one again. <laughs>
2: what, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well,
0: that was Jerry. That was one, know, of, your, one of your better ones. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, that's how he sounded, but I can't do it. Anyway, uh, he, he's told me he paid a, a, it was a funny figure, like six hundred and sixty-three thousand, something like that. But he'd yeah. he syndicated him, right? Mm. He got him out, and anyway, um, the uh, he got Singo involved. Mm. Singo had shares in him, and that's how he got involved with the horse. And uh, and got him trained. And Bart got him to train, yeah. and uh, anyway, he was going the slipper, but he went a bit wrong before it. Yeah. So that was uh, that was with Neville, and yeah. then of course when he came back, I was riding in Brisbane at the time, and they had him back and work pre-training and uh, for the uh, for the uh, for the autumn, mm. uh, the, sorry, the uh, spring yeah. in the uh, after the uh, the winter carnival, mm. and um, anyhow, John Morris was the foreman for uh, for uh, Bart at the time. Yeah. But I never got on him. But I, I believe they were like he, they were hunting him out of the boxes and doing everything like that. And mm. anyway, his first start, he got beaten. He, he ran the Santa Manico and he came out the boxes, and he had all the gear lugging bits. He had everything on him, and he come mm. out like a startled rabbit. Mm. His legs going everywhere, and anyway, it was quite disappointing. And uh, he ran about fifth black shoes won the race. Mm. So Bart, I didn't talk, didn't speak to Bart until the Monday morning and we were having a cup of coffee. I said, Bart, I "I haven't changed my mind about that horse. I said, he's a better horse than that. He said, well, what do you think? What do you suggest? And I said, well, what I want to do? I said, I want to be on his back every morning. I want to ride him work every morning. Mm. I want all that gear taken off, all that that gear. Mm. And anyway, he said, okay, done. And, of course, he was a pretty, uh, you know, he was, he was in the limelight of it at that time. Mm. So I, uh, I got on his back. I'd never got off his back after that, John, every morning. And I can tell you by the Friday... I had him eating out of my hand. You couldn't believe how supple and beautiful he was.
0: Oh, you got on well with him, I remember.
1: Never never got beaten again, John. I come out, I sat behind, just go whoosh all over him, you know. Yeah, but, uh, well, you won the
0: up-and-coming, you won the Peter, the Peter Pan, 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 you won the Gloaming Stakes. You won them
1: all by 100 yards. Yeah. And then, of course, he came the champion. That, to come the Champion Stakes. A bit of a story here, too. Yeah. Anyway, um I've uh, a six to four favourite drew the fence too if you wouldn't believe it and anyway throughout the race I got a bit of a drift that something wasn't right and uh, anyway there was about four of them out to get me and uh, they had me locked in all the way and uh, anyhow um, when we come to the corner there's uh, nothing I could do I'm locked away shut but I had one horse in front of me. And he started, as it came come over the rise and, and down to the fellow, he's, he's moving off the fence and there would have been only room for a half a horse. And uh, I drove him into it, John. It was basically suicidal because I was I was shut away and he got himself in and wedged himself and he, he wriggled his way through and then he got out and he won He won by about a length and a half. But, mm. oh, gee, was a good horse. A few tense and, moments there, weren't there? Oh, well, I was going to the world, going to the world, you know, but uh, – mm. Yeah, I was being looked after. I was getting a bit of my own back, I suppose. But uh, <laughs> <and> he, <laughs> but anyway, he was he came out. and He won that, and then he went for a spell after that, and he came back. He won his next race, and then he had a little bit of a uh, oh, a little bit of a
0: niggle, a bit of an injury, a bit of a niggle,
1: and niggle. And all he wanted was a little bit of time, basically. But mm. they wanted to retire him, and Jerry wanted him at his stud pretty quick, so. Mm. He retired as a three-year-old and uh, should never have gone to start at that stage. Yeah. Mm. But, oh, geez, what, a, what a good horse. Yeah. And, and, you know, at that time, John, there was a horse called, everybody knows, Kingston Town, mm. and I, I just felt that if this horse met him, wait for age, and, of course, at my age, the weight scale, mm. I, I thought he could beat him. IG mm. oh, brilliant horse, best, west, brilliant. Mm. And, uh, of course, I think that helped me a lot with Singer later on and, of course. We got together with some very nice horses, one of the Queensland Oaks and things like that, you know. So, mm. yeah, so, um, yeah, that was very handy.
0: Larry, the end came one Wednesday at Eagle Farm. You had one ride, 100 to 1, and ran accordingly. That was the moment you knew it was over. But you didn't tell anybody, did you?
1: No, I didn't, John. Uh, I only had one ride. It was embarrassing, basically. I knew, you, you know, you know when your time's done. And uh, anyway, I was, you know, been in it for long enough. I think I was just turning 50 at the time. And uh, as I say, the one ride, it was from an old mate of mine called Kevin Carney. But anyway, it run accordingly, 100 to 1. And when I come in, I said, I knew, I knew straight away I was taking mm. the saddle off. I said, well, that, that's the end of it. And, and uh, I didn't tell anybody. I went back in the room, I packed my gear, and then I went home, and that was the end of it. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but you know, uh, where one road ends, another one opens, you know, and along comes Sky,
0: didn't well, it? I'll say it did, and you had a very happy, very rewarding 16 years as one of the faces of Queensland racing on Sky. You worked very closely with the irrepressible Alan Thomas and you enjoyed the role of form analyst and trackside presenter. Hey, Larry, there were very few jockeys and trainers in Brisbane that you didn't know.
1: No, well, everywhere, John. Basically, mm. you know, you're uh, – you, like I rode, I rode uh, 63 to 98, mm. and then 98 to 2014 with Sky. Mm. And, of course, that took me everywhere all over the world. I rode in England, I Singapore. Hong Kong, various places, you know, and I did meet a lot of people. I rode for people over like Scobie, Breezeley, and Garnier Bagore and Singapore. Mm. They were great trainers in, in their own right, but yeah, I well, I uh, you know, I had a uh, you know, I I knew a lot of people in racing, which you've got to do, and I think that helped a hell of a lot because it's just. Uh, you know, when you're interviewing somebody, it's just like having a good old chat with them, you know. Exactly, and yeah. uh, But I enjoyed it, John. I enjoyed the time with Sky and uh, it, was a, it was great for me, you know, to finish off like where I did, you know.
0: It's been great to reminisce about your day of days in 1987 when you etched your name into Melbourne Cup history. It must be a special feeling to know that racing aficionados... 50 years from now, will be running their index finger down the list of winning jockeys in the Melbourne Cup and they'll spot the name there, L. Olsen, as they glance through the results. Um, must make you feel pretty special.
1: John, not only Melbourne Cup Day, but like achieving something like that as a... It's a lifelong ambition from when you're a boy growing up, and what you want to be and what you want to do, and things like that. But uh, you know, I did go, got disqualified for twelve months the same day, and then again, uh, you know, I uh, I lost my pa- mate uh, same day. Oh, I know you did, Larry. Maureen,
0: your dear wife Maureen. Yeah, Melbourne Cup day.
1: Yes, it was the first of the eleventh of the eleventh. Oh, and that's Melbourne Cup Day this year. First, of the eleventh. Only, was twenty-two.
0: Yeah. Goodness mm. gracious me. Yeah,
1: she was. Uh, she was a, a stalwart, and uh, she she loved horses as much as me. You
0: know. Mm. Uh, she was a remarkable lady, Larry. I remember yeah. her so well. Mate, it's been lovely catching up on uh, at a special time. And as I said in the intro, when you're looking for a Melbourne Cup podcast. It's best to find somebody who's been touched by the magic of the great race. And you certainly were touched. And as I said, your name is etched in Melbourne Cup history. Larry, thanks for your time on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. And I look forward to catching up soon.
1: Thanks, mate. Been a pleasure, John.
0: Do any of your horses struggle to finish their feeds? during a racing preparation? Have you been unhappy with the way they look on race day? Do what many other trainers do with those finicky horses and introduce them to Pride's easy performance. By stimulating their appetites with Pride's highly palatable set recipe feed, you might find they're not leaving a flake in their feed bins. Correct nutrition helps racehorses to deal with the stresses of racing and training it helps them to get that elusive win when they're in the right race and most importantly helps them to bounce back after the event pride's easy performance provides the ultimate muscle fuel to help horses get to the line while helping them to maintain inner health pride's easy performance the complete nutritional feed for equine
2: performance athletes.